so glad you could join us for mornings at YCVC today. We want to thank you for being a part of our online family and we hope that this message encourages you, blesses you and helps you grow in your walk with him. So let's get into the word. Well, good morning officially. Not my first time up here, but I had other business uh, at other times. So it's good to say good morning. Uh, it's good to be together. Now Kids Church is back on. It, it feels a little bit like uh, we're the remnant remaining, doesn't it, sometimes once all our, our children head off. Um, it's great uh, for them uh, and great for us as well uh, um, to be able to spend time in God's Word for them uh, in a way that's appropriate for them and in a way that's appropriate for us as well. Uh, just a reminder as well, we want to be sharing testimonies in the life of the church. So uh, I wasn't overwhelmed with uh, testimonies during the week of people saying, I want to share this uh, next week. So do encourage you to be, um, to be touching base and, and passing uh, on testimonies that we can share uh, in the life of the church. My testimony this morning is God is good uh, all the time. Uh, amen. And uh, just uh, I am struck and blown away uh, by how many times in different ways in every season of my life, God has had just the right thing, whether that's money, uh, help from a person, whatever it is, that, that God has had just the right thing at just the right time in every season um, of my life. Um, speaking of seasons, we are continuing our new season uh, series, which is uh, our vision picture for the year that we're declaring, not just reacting to changes in the life of the church and changes in the world around us, but we are declaring that this is a new season. We're taking a new step forward uh, as a church. And so uh, last week we talked about refocusing on Jesus and recommitting to his church, that Jesus is the head. He is the only place we could possibly ever want to look, but yet Satan wants to distract us from fixing our gaze on Jesus. Uh, and the body of uh, the church is the body of Christ. And so uh, it's about focusing on the head that is Jesus and being a part of his body and being recommitted to that. And as I said last week, that's not a cr criticism saying, uh, that you're, oh, you're not focused on Jesus and you're not committed. That's not a criticism. It's a calling up for all of us to refocus more so on the person of Jesus and to recommit to his body, the church. Um, so we're continuing the new season theme, uh, and so this week I want to talk about ploughing and sowing. So that's why we had two readings this morning, one about ploughing and one about sowing. And so ploughing and sowing are both about preparation. They're about effort and investment. And so I believe that there is an abundant kingdom harvest yet to come in the year and the year ahead and the years ahead for YCBC. We've seen some uh, amazing things in the life of the church. We've seen God do great things and grow the church and, 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 and bless this church. Um, and, you know, some of us in this season, you know, after we've come through COVID and we've had people move away and that might be, oh, you know, remember, we might be drawn to think about, remember the good old days. But I believe the best year and the best years for YCBC are to come. But I also believe that now, in this moment, it is the time for ploughing. And I believe that now is the time for sowing, that there may be that harvest in the new season. And so we're going to talk about ploughing, and then we're going to talk about sowing, because that's a fairly logical sequence, and then uh, we're going to bring that together. Uh, so now is the time for ploughing. Uh, thanks, Ken, for reading this morning. And what he read for us, the first reading was Proverbs chapter 20, verse 4, which says, Sluggards do not plough in season. So at harvest time, they look 
but find nothing. And so the obvious truth here is that if we don't plough in the right season for ploughing, then when it comes to <clears throat> the harvest, there won't be anything. <clears throat> um, we've just got some lovely musical accompaniment uh, in the room this morning. And, and so the obvious truth, that is, if we don't put the effort into ploughing in the season for ploughing, when we go and look for a harvest at harvest time, there won't be anything there. We won't reap a harvest. And so it's almost comical, this proverb, that we can imagine a lazy person thinking a sluggard, that's what that means. I'm not going to bother ploughing this year. But then yet still, months later, when, when a harvest would be expected, going out and being shocked to find no crop ready to reap. It's almost comical, and so obviously that would happen very rarely in actual agriculture, and so the proverb is talking about something uh, more meaningful beyond uh, just the practice of farming. It's talking about our lives and our involvement in God's kingdom, our involvement in the church in this day and age, that if we don't put the effort in in the season to put that effort in, when we come back later to look for a harvest, we shouldn't be shocked to find nothing. And so ploughing in ancient times was hard work. I'm not saying it's not hard work now, but I have seen uh, some of those beautifully air-conditioned, massive tractor things that, that people plough with these days. And I've also seen pictures of people kind of with that little stick thing with a sharp bit on the end and you're getting it. If you're lucky, you had an animal to pull it with. If you weren't lucky, you were the animal pulling it while someone else was on the stick thing and trying to get it into the dirt to break the dirt. It was hard, brutal, back-breaking work. It was the kind of thing that a sluggard would be well justified in thinking, I do not want to do that. That looks hard. And the thing is, after you plough, you don't see a harvest that day. You can spend days and days and weeks and weeks ploughing your field to see what looks like nothing as a result. I'm sure we've all done jobs like that, that where, where, where you put in all of this effort over periods of time and, it, and it's not the kind of thing that looks like much has been achieved. I actually think about painting. No offence to the professional painters in our midst, but it feels like you just spend so much time cleaning the walls and patching the walls and doing all this work and, and cutting in, and it looks like you've done nothing. And then you spend the last two minutes just rolling the, the, the paint on and it looks great then. But it's that kind of job, and I'm sure we can all think of other jobs where it's necessary and you pour an abundance of effort into it, but when you've done that bit, it doesn't actually seem like you've achieved very much on the, on the surface. It doesn't look like much has happened. And so ploughing is like that. You plough the soil and it might look oh, broken up. If you're a farmer, you might think, oh yeah, that's good ploughing, that's good soft soil. But it's far from producing any fruit at that point. By fruit, thinking grain, a harvest, a fruitful harvest. The purpose of ploughing is to prepare the soil for the seed so that when the seed is sown, it can grow readily. So it doesn't have to break through the soil so that it can access the nutrients in the soil so that it can uh, fall in the place where it can grow and flourish and be fruitful easily. Ploughing is digging in, ploughing is putting the effort in, ploughing is serving, working, toiling. And so ploughing, if we think about ploughing in the life of the church, what ploughing is, is effort 
and energy invested with a faith with faith for future fruitfulness. It's putting our effort and energy in now, which we might not see immediate fruit. We might not look upon the effort and energy that we've poured into God's church and think, oh wow, I did this and then this. I did that and then that. We, we are preparing the soil so that the seed sown can grow readily. And so the thing is, if we don't put the hand to the plough now, we may look in a few months or a few years' time and wonder, why isn't the church being fruitful? Why didn't that seed that we sowed bear fruit? Why didn't the transition go well? If we don't put the effort in as a church now, if we don't put our hand to the plough now, we might be like the sluggard who goes out to his field or her field in harvest time having not ploughed and going, oh, why has my crop not produced anything? And the thing is, it's too late to plough then. When you're meant to be reaping a harvest, there's no point belatedly trying to plough. And so what does ploughing actually look like? Well, I, I want to suggest a few things, uh, but I encourage you to think about how, God, are you leading me as a member of this church family to plough now? What effort are you calling me to put in? Uh, but I want to suggest a few things, and the first of those I want to suggest is praying. That we put effort... And not that our prayers are answered by how hard we grovel at God, but we put effort and commitment into praying for the life and the future of this church. Praying that the transition will go well between myself and the pastor that is to come. Praying for the search team who are most certainly ploughing very hard for us on behalf of this church in this season. Praying for their efforts, supporting them. Ploughing looks like serving in the life of the church. Ploughing looks like showing up and being part of the church family. It looks like worshipping together, encouraging one another. It looks like digging in and putting effort into the life of the church. It looks like taking care of things that, that may hinder and harm future fruitfulness. That's what ploughing is about as well. When you plough, you might dig up some stones that you can move aside. You no doubt many of us living in this area have driven past uh, fields that are for cropping and you can see piles of stones heaped up in corners or around trees. They, they didn't naturally grow there. They've been th found through the effort of years of tilling the soil, of ploughing and discovered and then removed from hindering the fruitfulness of the crop. And so there are things that we're seeking to take care of this season to enable fruitfulness in the season to come. And so I want to encourage you, if you're part of this church now, don't wait for this year to be over. Some of us might be a bit kind of, oh, this year I'm not sure what's going to happen. We're coming kind of out of COVID or learning to live with COVID, whatever language gets wrapped around that. We're coming out of that season. It's a new season of transition for the church with me stepping into my new role and, and making space for a new pastor to come in. Some of that might be a little bit intimidating. So we might want to take a step back and just see what happens. But then, church, we run the risk of being like the sluggard who looks for a harvest and finds nothing. And so I want to encourage you that now is the time to plough. And I want to thank our search team, and especially Tony, who's 
uh, at this season probably got her hands most firmly on the plough, or she might be the one pulling the plough uh, <laughs> at the moment, and, and, and she's doing that work, and that work's going to spread as time goes on to the whole church, especially on the 13th of March. But I want to thank them for, for ploughing on behalf of the church. But let's all together plough together. We might not have a big fancy air-conditioned tractor-pulling plough thing, but if we think about that ancient ploughing, what could make it easier was not one person, but two or three or four or 50 people, each with ploughs, tilling the soil together. <clears throat> In Galatians, uh, chapter 6, verse 9. This is adjacent to a verse I read last week. The Apostle Paul says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And so in this season I want to encourage you not to become weary or distracted or disheartened, but keep doing good, keep being the church. So at the proper time we'll reap a harvest. And so it's the season for ploughing and I also believe it's the season for sowing. It is the time for sowing. And so Ken read for us one scripture this morning which we'll get to, but I want to read first uh, Psalm 126 verses 4 to 6 uh, in which the psalmist wrote, Restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev. Which, uh, for context, the Negev was a region... Um, of uh, Palestine in which the Israelites lived uh, that would be uh, very dry uh, but uh, each summer I believe it was there would be uh, kind of the kind of rain that you could set your watch to that would come in the Negev and there's all these dry gullies would flow and, and, and almost like our, our outback you know our central Australian region that that less regular but that when the rain comes that becomes just a beautiful um, abundant space filled with growth and plant life for flocks to feed on. And so uh, the psalmist is saying, praying to the Lord, restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the negative, like that rain that is faithful and brings a dead place to life. And then they say, those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. And so those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. Like ploughing, unless the seed is sown, there won't be a harvest. Unless you put the seed into the soil, you can't go out later at harvest time and expect a crop. So the same thing could be said that, that uh, you know, the sluggard does not sow and then at harvest time looks and finds nothing. You, you could kind of connect the dots there and say the same thing. But unlike ploughing, which is, which is an investment of effort, sowing is in a, an investment of finance. It's a financial input. The, the seed a farmer sows, and we think about it, you know, large cropping farms west of us, the seed that gets put in the ground out there is millions and millions of dollars worth of seed. Now, unless that produces a harvest, that is, in a sense, wasted money. I'm sure the temptation would be there to think, well, 
I'd rather keep that grain in my barns, in my silos, rather than put it into the ground where I could lose it altogether. And so ploughing is an investment of effort. Sowing is a financial investment. It's sowing seed that is worth something financially. It's putting money literally into the ground in the faith that it will be bear fruit. And so we put our money into the soil of God's kingdom in faith that there will be a harvest. And there, of course, we're not talking of grain. We don't sow our financial seed into the church, into God's kingdom in other ways, expecting to get grain in return. We expect to see and hope to see a kingdom harvest, a harvest of of life, of abundance for the church, of revival, of growth. We could think about all kinds of things, as, as Dan said when he was talking about our offering this morning. It's not necessarily, if, you're, well, if, you're, if you own a vineyard, it might be wine in your vats, but it's, it's not speaking about that. It's speaking about the abundance of God. And so this, this psalm is talking about sowing in tears. It's talking about sowing when it isn't easy, when there is doubt telling you the enemy is going to snatch it away. And so the context of this psalm is when Israel have been exiled from their land. And so it's not the best season to be sowing. There's doubt in this moment about if they actually sow seed Is there any point to it? Are we wasting our money by throwing it on the ground? The psalmist says that those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. That that if we are faithful in sowing from what God's given us, that there will be a harvest to reap with songs of joy. And so it might bring us to tears thinking, oh, I don't know if this is going to come good. But unless we do that, We'll be like the sluggard who looks and finds nothing. We may have worked hard and tilled the soil, but unless we put seed in the soil, nothing's going to grow. And so those who sow in tears, those who sow in a time of uncertainty, I don't know who the new pastor is going to be. I don't know what the church is going to look like after COVID. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know whether I'm going to keep my job. I don't know whether my business is going to flourish. Those who sow in tears in that uncertainty will reap with songs of joy. It's one of those almost self-fulfilling prophecy kind of things. And I don't want to say that you know, we make God do this. But if you don't sow and it turns out to be a bad season, you can think, well, I was right to hold on to my grain. But God is faithful, and I believe that if we do so, as he calls us to so in this season, that, that, that the truth of God's faithfulness will be revealed and, and, and we can all go away believing that we're right. What I'm trying to say is that if you believe, well, there's not going to be a harvest, so I'm not going to sow, you'll be right. Because there won't be a harvest. But if you believe I am going to sow in faith that there will be a harvest, you'll be right because there will be a harvest. I'm not talking about financial gain. I'm not talking about kickbacks from God. I'm, I'm talking about the fruitfulness of his church and God's kingdom. Those who sow in tears, in uncertainty, in changing seasons will reap with songs of joy. 
in 2 Corinthians, what Ken read for us this morning. Chapter 6, sorry, chapter 9, verses 6 to 8 says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. And so I want to say that those who sow sparingly will reap sparingly. Those who sow much will reap much. And again, this is not, yes, God is able to provide everything we need. Many of us can give testimony to that truth. God can provide everything we need, but there's so much more valuable things to reap in life with God than just money. That's part of why we sow, to, re, to remind us of that truth. I, I want to say this is true of the whole church. The church that sows collectively, generously, will reap much. Churches that sow little tend to reap little. There's a practical dynamic to that. There's bills to pay. There's the cost of operating the church. Um, it's, you know, and, and if you're not on the diaconate and you're not a part of the, the leadership team or part of managing the church's finances, uh, you might not be aware of how much it costs. Uh, if you run a small business, you're probably familiar with a lot of those costs that you know, there's things to pay for the church, like uh, workers co uh, work cover, insurance, electricity bills, all things like that, the staffing costs and things like that. And, and so there is a practical sense that a church that sows little can't afford to do those things. And a church that sows much can afford to employ a pastor, to also have them covered if, in case of accident or injury and those kind of things. So there is a practical element to that, that, that we, we are called to sow into the church and there are practical needs uh, that that pays for. But I, I think there's a much deeper reality here than a church that sows generously can afford to pay their bills, can afford to employ a pastor full-time and things like that. I think there's a deeper reality that, that when we sow generously, it shifts our own priorities. It shifts our own interests to be more aligned with that of God's. And so that we, instead of, Dan used the phrase this morning, talking about our offering, instead of clinging to what we have, Instead of fighting the temptation to keep the seed in our barn where at least we know we've got that. It shifts us towards a heart of generosity and that aligns us with the generous heart of God. But also, as it says in this scripture, God loves a cheerful giver. God is able to bless us abundantly as a church when we're generous. And so I want to encourage the church now to give. And if you already give, reassess your giving. What, what, you know, some of us, you know, this is a process that my wife and I have been through recently that our income has uh, changed in a positive sense this year. And so we come back to our giving and we adjust that. Um, and so that's true for many of us. And I want to encourage you that, that if that's where you're at, to, to give. To adjust that, if, if you're not yet giving, I encourage you to start somewhere. To start to give and experience the joy 
of generosity and the blessing that comes with that. But I want to encourage you that now is the time. Not in the unknown future when the church has a new and improved pastor to replace me. That's also a time to be giving, but, but the, then is not the time to go, okay, now I'm going to update my giving or now I'm going to start giving. I want to encourage you that now is the time to do that as a prayerful act, as an act of sowing, saying, God, I am putting my seed into the soil of this church in faith that the best harvests are ahead and not behind. I want to encourage us that now is the time to sow. In Psalm 126 verse 6 says, Those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. Before I wrap up, though, I just want to throw one little curveball into that mix because now is the time for ploughing, now is the time for sowing, and I've been saying that, and it might not be the time of harvest right now, but we need to plough and sow now so that then, whenever then is, we'll see a harvest as a church. But I want to throw one curveball in the mix, and that is found in John. Jesus throws the best curveball, so I'm going to go to him. John chapter 4, verse 35 to 36. Jesus says, don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. And so what Jesus is saying there, that in the kingdom we can draw analogy from plowing and sowing and that the harvest comes later. But he's saying, open your eyes because we're sowing now, but open your eyes and see there is also a harvest now that in the kingdom time is bent on top of itself Dance, like interpretive dance. Um, I said to Neil this morning, he said, do we have an image this morning? And I said, oh, I forgot to put it up on the screen, so I'll have to be more colourful myself. So I'm trying. That's it, Neil. That's my colour. <laughs> In the kingdom, time is not an issue. And so, yes, I, I believe that now is the time to plough, now is the time to sow, but let's not close our eyes to the harvest that is now as well. Even now... Those who are new or don't yet know Jesus are doing the Alpha course and finding out about him. Even now there's those amongst the Yas Valley community that you can be sowing the seed of God's word and also reaping a harvest. And so I really want to encourage the church to plough now, to put in the energy and the effort to serve, to dig in. I want to encourage the church to sow now, to invest financially into a future harvest for God's kingdom through this church. But I also want to say, don't close your eyes off to the harvest that is now as well. And so it's a time to plough and sow. Carl, uh, Eliza, you can come. <clears throat> it's a time to plough and a time to sow. A time to invest effort and a time to invest finances into your church. Into our church. And so, despite what I've just said, we may not see a direct return in, in this moment. We might spend days, hours, weeks, months with our hand to the plough and then look back and go, oh, 
just looks like a pile of dirt right now. We might spend, invest financially, sowing seed into the soil, investing financially into God's church, into our church, in faith that there'll be a future harvest and we might keep going and looking at the soil and going, is that a little green shoot? No, maybe not. That, That might be our experience in this moment. But if we don't plough and sow now, then we may be like that sluggard who goes out in months, years, whenever to come and looks at the ground and goes, why is there no harvest? Uh, My new boss in my church health role... um, Engaging with churches that are sometimes not doing so well. Um, And he's relatively new to his role. One of the things he said he's learning is that the churches that are on the point of dying needed intervention 20 years ago. That was their time to plough and to sow. That's not a criticism for them. That's more, that's those, the churches we're looking to help now is the ones that in 20 years... Uh, won't have adjusted to the shifts around them. The the point is, it's it's that reality played out that I'm talking about this morning. It's not in months and years' time that the effort needs to be sown into God's church. It's now. It will be then, but if not now, it could be too late in the future. I'm not prophesying the death of this church. This is a good church. But hopefully the dots are connecting. The thing about farming... One of the things about farming is no father, farmer, no farmer on this earth can make a plant grow. All they can do is plough, they can sow. In modern times, they can even water. As the scripture says, it's God who makes it grow. And so my prayer this morning is that the Holy Spirit will stir within each of us, that we do for the church what a farmer can do. That we do the ploughing, we do the sowing, but we also trust God to do the watering and the growing. And so if that's your prayer in a moment's time, just encourage you to say amen along with me, to seek the Holy Spirit, to guide you in how you might plough in this season. And how you might grow in the grace of giving in this season. So Heavenly Father, we pray that you would stir in our hearts. There's always temptation when there's hard work to be done to leave it to someone else. 
there's always temptation when we're holding something that's valuable in our hand and there's uncertainty and, and changes to think, oh, just hold on to that and see what happens. We acknowledge that temptation as being real and human. We thank you that your heart through the blood of Jesus is not to condemn us, but to shape us. And so I pray, we pray together this morning that you would stir in our hearts. That you would help us put hand to the plough and till the soil in readiness. That your spirit would stir in our hearts as we sow our seed into your church as we invest into your kingdom. As Paul said, that we give what each of us has decided in our hearts to give. And may our hearts be guided by you. Father, teach us by your spirit how to plough and how to sow. But I pray also that our eyes would be open to the harvest that is now as well. So that the plower, the sower and the harvester can be glad together. And so Father, we pray for our search team. We pray for Tony and Deb and Michael and Trent and Zach. We pray for wisdom. We pray for insight as they put those documents together. We pray for encouragement as they do that, that at the end of putting those documents together, it looks like pieces of paper and not a pastor. We thank you for them, that they are tilling the soil in readiness. Father, I pray for the new pastor of this church. We begin to till the soil in prayer. We pray that you be preparing their heart. That we thank you that over the years of their life and ministry that you've been equipping them. We pray that you'd be preparing circumstances around them that they would be able to move into this place and this role. Father, we pray for the finances of the church. We thank you that you provided an abundance in past seasons that has sustained us in this season. Where we pray, Father, that we trust not in the bank balance of the church, but in your capacity to give more and more. And so, Father, I pray that you would lead us in that grace of giving, that we would trust you trust your hand on this church that we would sow in faith for the harvest that is to come. We thank you that you are a faithful God. 
We thank you that when we are faithful in the ploughing and the sowing, you are faithful to bring a harvest in season. And so we pray that as we rest on you, we would not grow weary, that we would not lose heart, that we would keep going, that we would keep ploughing and sowing. And we thank you in advance for the harvest that is to come. In a new season, we declare the best years are yet to come. The biggest harvests are yet to come. There's more salvations to come than we've seen in the past. There's more baptisms and more lives transformed than we've seen in the past, Lord. We declare it over this valley and over this church, Lord. And we thank you for that. We thank you for that harvest in advance. Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. As you head back into your week, we want to encourage you to stay in His Word, stay in His love, and stay strong in your faith. Don't forget to keep up to date with what's happening via Facebook, Instagram, or via our website at ycbc.church. See you soon.